So if this is your first time with us, I'm especially glad that you joined us today. Everybody here in person, everybody online as well, or catching our worship later this week because you're working or you're on the beach or doing whatever kind of fun stuff. And I just want to bring just to your attention, um, those of you guys that are here in person, uh, if you drove down 16th Street, you probably saw our lawn and it's an absolute mud pit and mess. That's all for the glory of God because we had an awesome water fun night where we just drenched the place outside. And um, yes, it is muddy, but grass grows back. Um, We had lots of neighbors, friends, people. Some of you all were there helping serving and being a part of that. So thank you for doing that. We were able to bless our neighborhood and our community, especially when it's been so, so hot um, lately. It cooled off, but it's coming back, guys. It's coming back. Um, but anyway, um, you know, this time of year uh, always gets me thinking of, of different memories I have of summertime and growing up and lots of fun things, including um, being a part of a day camp. I don't know if you ever went to camp, whether overnight camp or a day camp experience. Uh, well, I did for a multitude of years, it felt like. And, um, and one of the things that... Um, we did at, our, at the day camp when it was a rainy day, when everybody had to stay inside and all the camp counselors are trying to keep the kids occupied, was we watched like a VHS tape of this. Um, you want to put that picture up there? Anybody ever, do you remember that? Anybody see, it was like an HBO series apparently, but it was also on VHS. It was called Brain Games, like 1980s into 90s. And um, somebody would like take a tape. I think they had like, maybe 20 of them because, you know, there were that many rainy days during the course of the year sometimes. And um, we had little teams in our groups that we were divided in. But the place it was held was a stinky, like, locker room cubby area uh, where kids would get changed for, like, swim and that kind of stuff. So it, you can just imagine what that, like, smelled like. And everybody's sitting on the floor. And we're watching these things. And basically, the, the whole idea of brain games, you can check it out on YouTube, by the way. There are some, some games posted there. Um, but there are these little, like, puzzles that you have, like, you know, 20, 30 seconds to figure out. And um, they're relatively easy for those of us you know, that are adults. But for kids, you know, trying to figure out which part of the puzzle didn't belong or which, like, little pipe shoot is the ball going to come out, those types of things. And we would um, play those for like an hour or so, and we would compete, and we would win like little ticket, prize tickets. You know, prize tickets, man, like you get the good candy at the end of the day there. So, um, but I remember like that experience, and as much as like, you know, campus fun, like rainy days were such a disappointment, even though you got to play brain games and play some other games, you know, I'd rather run around outside with my friends, playing games, doing things out there. Um, You didn't want to be sitting in a stinky cubby watching a VHS tape. Um, but, But just to kind of draw the parallel here, you know, sadly, some of us, kind of feel that way, even though we're not sitting in a stinky cubby. Like, like our brain is playing games with us, and we don't want to be there. We don't want to be there. We'd rather be doing the fun things and not worrying about that. Maybe you can relate to that. You know, uh, in other words, you know, kind of like outwardly, you're, you're still showing up, uh, you're smiling outwardly, but inwardly, maybe you're battling some, some dark feelings, maybe there's sadness or depression, um, your mind is, is playing games with you, um, or, or maybe you have an ongoing kind of like chronic anxiety, you feel like you, you just can't handle it anymore, you're just overwhelmed all the time. 
Um, or, or maybe you're, you're kind of on the edge of burnout in some way. You've been working, 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 or just family life and stress and all sort of, and you're just like, I feel like I'm on the edge here, right? Um, but, but the thing is, if you find yourself struggling mentally, you're not alone. You're not alone. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that in this series that, called Brain Games with that, along that title. Um, over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about mental health. We're going to talk about mental health and the intersection of mental health and faith. Um, and I don't know if you've ever heard a, ser- a sermon series on this in church before. If you haven't, then you're in the right place. But um, we're also going to be posting on social media several interviews during the different weeks ahead. Different interviews with different medical professionals, some people that have, have battled things like bipolar disorder or suicide, um, just those types of things just to kind of get, take the stigma off of mental health, especially when it comes to faith in the church. Um, and so today we're going to start by kind of building a foundation. Um, first, by, by talking about myths, myths, especially in church life, especially when it comes to Christianity, myths about mental health. And I want to start us off today with a, a prayer, a prayer that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote in his beginning of his letter to the Thessalonian church in the book of First Thessalonians. And we're going to put this up on the screen here. Um, and if you would say these words with me. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. And what I want you to do is look to the person next to you, and I want you to tell them, God is my peace. If there's nobody next to you, just shout it across the aisle to somebody. Say, God is my peace. Okay, now look to your second rate choice, the other side of you, and tell that person God is my peace. And if you're online, you can type that in the chat box there, God is my peace. Um, Well, if there's one thing I do have to say that I am glad, like as far as in in the church world, in the church world, um, things are improving when it comes to like our our mentality towards mental health. Um, Because for years and years, and many of you may remember this if if you grew up in church, um, like in church, like we didn't talk about it. Nobody said anything. It was somebody else's problem. Um, and, And the implication was that all you need to do is come to Jesus, All you need to do is come to Jesus because why? Jesus fixes everything, right? I'm going to say my best country preacher voice, come to Jesus. He will save you, heal you, and work all things, and you'll be healed of it all. It'll all go away, right? And and while some of those things may be true, it's very incomplete, though. Um, and so, so this may freak some people out, but just because Jesus saves you, it doesn't mean he fixes area, every area of your life or that you get what you want. You know, it doesn't work that way. You know, you think of somebody, if you, if you read the Bible like every single day, you know, and you pray and you pray to get a six-pack, a spiritual six-pack, right? Is it going to happen like overnight? Like, absolutely not. Or, or like maybe you come to an altar and you pray a prayer. You say, you know, God, I want to turn your ways, not my ways. And then does your credit score instantly improve? Absolutely not. Does your hair get thicker? Do your thighs get thinner? No, no, it doesn't work that way, you know? Or when you came to Jesus, it doesn't mean that you instantly became mentally healthy either. 
So, so when we talk about mental health, we have to ask first, though, what are we talking about? And, and first, just a little disclaimer here. I am a pastor. I'm not a therapist. I am not a doctor. I'm not a medical health professional. Um, this sermon and this sermon series is not a treatment plan, and it's not intended to be. Um, but what, what my focus is going to be is really on the spiritual side, though we will throw in nuggets of, of, of science and, and um, medical help. Um, but, but basically, mental health overall really includes three parts. Three parts. There's an emotional part, a psychological part, and a social part of our well-being. You know, emotional, your emotions. Once again, God gifted, God created emotions. They're good. They're good things. Um, psychological, you know, how your brain works, how you're thinking, um, your thought processes. But also the social part of that. The social part, our interactions with others. And that's all part of this, this greater uh, part of us of our well-being. But it's also interesting to note that, that mental health is not something that's static. It's not static. It's not like, hey, you know, you're 50 years old and you will never have to encounter mental health problems if you haven't encountered them yet. Right, wrong, That's the, that you can be healthy for a little while, but then something changes. Something changes in your life or in your brain and there's all kinds of complex pieces of that um, that, that very easily, it can kind of be like a roller coaster. You know, things can change, like, you know, you may encounter things later in life or earlier in life that you don't later, and it may be, and it may be a lifelong process. Um, but mental health impacts how you think, which then impacts how you feel and then how you act. I mean, it, it, it's big because it, it determines how you handle stress, how you relate to other people, how you relate to choices, how you bounce back from a difficult situation, or how you don't bounce back. Um, mental health determines whether or not you go to harmful choices, harmful things to cope, or you decide, no, to make the right choices. Um, mental health impacts the friends that you choose, the partner you choose, the person you may marry. Um, and, and so there's many also misunderstandings when it comes to mental health, especially when we talk about it as regards to faith. So I want to present to you today two myths that, um, that really stand out to me, that, that I think it's important for us to kind of be on the same page about. And the first myth in church life is that Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health. Totally a myth, totally false. You know, for many years, people have said, well, Christians, you, know, you shouldn't battle anxiety or depression or burnout. And if you do, it's your fault, right? You didn't what? Pray hard enough. You didn't, what? You missed church once, there you go. That's what you get for it. You know, or you have sin that's in the way. There's a sin that's marking you, that's blocking you. And what I want you to know is that you can love Jesus and still be fighting depression. You can love Jesus and still have anxiety. You can love Jesus and still battle with schizophrenia. Uh, that what I want you to know is you can still love Jesus and those things can still happen to you and happen in your brain. Um, I mean, you can have the longest Bible reading streak on the planet and still face those things. You know, you can be also attending church every single week. You might sit in the front row. Our front row people, you know, you're not afraid. You know, you're the, the hellfire and brimstone when it comes out, you know, you're like, it didn't burn me yet, right? So we don't do that here at Table Life Church. But, but you know, like, you might sit in the front row, you may tithe, you may serve, you may be really active, and you still may be struggling with the trauma experience that you've had. And that's, that's okay. Christians do struggle with mental health. Because you know what? 
when we look at scripture, if you open this and you flip through some of the stories, you know, some of the people we usually preach about as heroes in the Bible, the ones we look up to, we see that they had bouts with mental challenges. I mean, for instance, so Elijah, Elijah, he's up there on the, the top left there. Elijah, you know, he was a prophet. He was a cocky guy. He stands down, get this, 800 prophets who are worshiping this false god. And God is faithful to him and like smites these pro false prophets. And then immediately after God is faithful and protects him, he goes and hides in a cave and he's so depressed the next day, he says, I want to die. Like, think about that. Then we have David. We have David. He's on the, the top right there. We have David. You know David? You know, David and what? Who? Goliath, right? De defeats the, the giant there. David, we see in some of his psalms, his songs that he writes, and even later in his life, he struggled with despair, with a sense of darkness. He thought that God abandoned him. We have another guy, uh, Jeremiah. He's on the, the, the lower screen there. Um, Jeremiah, his nickname was, you know what it was? The weeping prophet. The weeping prophet. The guy couldn't stop crying. I don't know if that's you. Like there's times and you find yourself, you can't stop crying. He struggled with loneliness and insecurity. He cursed the day he was born. Uh, then we also have different disciples too. We have these guys, James and John. You know what their nickname was? The sons of thunder. You know why? They were angry all the time. They, they wrestled with anger. Uh, they, they probably were known for their temper. You know, the message too often when we're struggling mentally is just, oh, well, you need more of God. You just need to try harder. You must have done something to cause it. And none of that is true. You know, I mean, we do need more of God, but sometimes, you know, we just need some more sleep. <laughs> Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> Some of us need, a, honestly, a healthier diet. Did you know that mental health is often linked to our diets, believe it or not? Some of us need better friends. Some of us need therapy. Oh my gosh, I just said it, right? Some of us need therapy. Some of us need to go to a psychiatrist to correct what's going on in the brain chemically. Like all those things. Which means that you might need to make an appointment with your doctor. You know, you might have a hormone deficiency. Hormones do a lot of crazy things. You may have a chemical imbalance. You may need to have just a good cry with a trusted friend. Like those are all things. It's kind of like a holistic approach to mental health. That it starts with God, but that it's and these other God-given gifts and graces and people that have been gifted with those gifts and graces. You know, struggling, when you're struggling, it doesn't mean you're not a good Christian. You know what it means? You're human. You're human. So myth number one, Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health, just nix that right there. So myth number two, God doesn't care about your mental health. I mean, God doesn't care about your mental health. You might think this because God should be busy with bigger problems. Have you ever thought that? Maybe you've been in a prayer circle or a small group or with other people and you're, like, you're afraid to like share something because you're like, somebody just shared that they have cancer. There's wars going on. They're starving children around the world. Like, God doesn't have time for that. Like, my little thing, like, I'm, I'm just been really sad lately, that type of thing. But this isn't true either because not only does God care, he cares a lot. I mean, we see in the book of Psalms, like, reminder after reminder of this. We're just going to throw a couple of these up on the screen. First, Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
God cares. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Psalms show how much God cares about you, how much he cares. But it also shows people breaking down mentally as well. If you flip through and read through all the whole book of Psalms, you'll see a whole bunch of emotions and mental challenges that are facing, that, that people are facing there. I mean, truthfully, you know, a lot of Psalms, you want printed on a coffee mug. But I'm going to show you a Psalm right now that you don't want printed on your mug. So, and that's Psalm 88. Psalm 88. And this is written by a guy named Heman. Heman. Um, different Heman than He-Man and She-Ra. If you were of that crowd playing with your action figures, not that He-Man, but a different He-Man. Still kind of spelled the same way without the dash. But in the Bible, He-Man was, he was the guy that you wanted in your life to be friends with. You would look up to. Um, other passages in Scripture refer to this guy. If you've never heard of him in 1 Kings, he's told that he has great wisdom. He had music ability. So he was like part of the worship team. In 1 Chronicles 6 and chapter 16, he, he was a committed parent. He was a committed parent with, to his children. Um, he, he served the king. Uh, and so I'm going to read what he wrote here, what he wrote here in Psalm 88. And this is a spoiler alert because it's one of the two Psalms without a happy ending. Okay? So a lot of times people whine and complain and cry and then say the Lord is faithful, right? Don't we usually read that like, hey, all these bad things and the Lord is faithful. This one don't end like that. So let's read it. So uh, he says, I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like one without strength. I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. But I cry out to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? You've taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. How about them apples, guys? Right? That just brings cheer enjoy, right? No, like this is in the Bible, and I'm glad it is. I'm glad it is, and you know why? Because God is not afraid of our honesty. God's not afraid of your honesty. God can handle it. If you need to have a cuss fest with God, I don't recommend it, but if you need to do that, and you need to, your part of your prayer needs to be, I don't know why, blah, 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 blah. Like, God can handle that. He's probably glad that you're talking to him, <laughs> uh, and he can handle it. He can handle our honesty. He can handle our darkness, he gets it. He understands it. You know, you might question him. You might be hurting deep down, but you can cry out to God. And maybe you find yourself right now in Psalm 88. Like, that's you. You know, I, I don't think, though, that God wants any of us to stay there. That's the thing. That we can feel and express Psalm 88. And I encourage you, maybe highlight that in your Bible. And when you are there, you repeat those words, right? You're quoting somebody else. If you're afraid, like, oh, God's going to send the bolt, lightning bolt down. He won't. Don't worry. But I just read somebody else what they said, right? And he was, he was okay. But, but the, the thing is, God doesn't want any of us to stay there in Psalm 88. See, and the reason why is because getting help, getting help isn't a sign of weakness, but of wisdom. Getting help. Aren't we usually hesitant to do that? I know I am. You know, I can do it all myself. I can handle it. Like, I'm strong enough. But getting help, we're false to believe that getting help is a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of wisdom. The wisest people I know are people that reach out for help in, in many areas of life. 
See, in, in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus speaks, and, and he says this. You may have heard this before. He says, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That our minds, our minds are, are important things. And so let's just talk about your mind for a moment. Did you know that your, your brain is actually built over time, over the course of your lifetime? Uh, like starting at birth, your brain is growing and forming and all these new little cells are forming and they're making these connections called, they're called neural pathways. And in the first years of life, do you know how many neural pathways that your brain is making? You, you won't believe this. One million per second. One million per second at birth. And so after a while though, the brain kind of like starts to learn which connections are worth keeping. And so it needs to simplify that through kind of a process called pruning. It takes the ones that you're not using and makes these easy ways of, to be efficient. And so that's why you start to think in patterns and memories and create those. Those are basically these little pathways in your brain that are being created. And, and the thing is, good or for bad, when you think a thought multiple times, it becomes easier to travel down back and forth of that neural pathway. The more times you think about it, the more you're kind of like creating a road there. Uh, when I was in college, I had an internship at a nature center one summer. And this was after my summer camp days. And um, in the nature center, I was the intern. So I understand what Lauren has to put up with, like with me as her boss, as the summer intern. Like you do what the boss tells you to do. And so you, I, at the Nature Center, I taught like kids programs and all these things. Well, there were the, the camp director, um, she was this, this older lady who was just like amazing. She like hiked Mount Washington at like age 60, like by herself with her little like walking stick and stuff. And she's a super outdoors woman. Well, this one day she says, intern, come here. Intern Chris, um, come, we're going to plot out a new trail. I'm like, okay, I'm like wearing shorts that day. I didn't know I was gonna be plotting on a new trail. So we basically bushwhacked through these like these weeds like up to here, through the woods. Like I'm like tick fest, right? You know, that's the first thing you're in mind. And she's like putting markers down and, and we created this, this new trail. Um, and then finally when we got to the end where it connected to another trail, she said, okay, now what we're gonna do in turn, Chris? We're going to walk back and forth, back and forth, back and forth in the hot summer sun when it's like 95 degrees, right? That's what I'm thinking. So that's what we did. Back and forth, back and forth. And you know what happened to that trail? It became a trail. It became a trail by us going back and forth. And, and honestly, that's kind of like how our brains work. The more we go back and forth with different thought patterns, it's good if, if those pathways are healthy ones. If they're helpful ones, but it's bad news when they're not, when they're not. And, and, that's, and that's the thing with us. You know, when our body, when our body, when something is wrong with like your arm or your stomach or whatever, you know, what do you usually do? You know, the men probably wait a couple days and, and think that they can do it themselves. But what do you usually do? You go to the doctor, right? You go to the doctor. This is not, not bashing the guys here, by the way. So, but, but anyway, you go to the doctor, right? Like some of us put it off longer than we probably should and then things are worse, you know. Some of us go like, you know, like to every, every single day. But you go to the doctor. And the doctor, you know, would, would, might, might change something, change a medication you're on or give you something, um, might prescribe something to you, maybe physical therapy. Um, they may reset a broken bone if you have one. There may be surgery at a last resort. Um, but that's your body, right? But, but what about your mind? If your mind is just something's not right, what do you do? You may go to a doctor too. 
Like, getting help is not a sign of weakness. It's of wisdom. And it's okay for someone to help you. It's okay for someone to help you. Sometimes we need a little help disconnecting our, our mind from those pathways that we've, we've been wearing a long while. And instead, connecting them back to God. Connecting them a different brain road and different way of thinking. Isaiah 26, uh, 3, the prophet Isaiah says this as a word of encouragement. You will keep, you God will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Sometimes we need a little bit of help doing that. And, and he's talking about here perfect peace. Remember we said the God of peace when we opened up with that prayer that, that the Apostle Paul prayed. Uh, not occasional peace, not momentary peace, not circumstantial peace, but perfect peace. And, and it's interesting, the Hebrew words here that, that, are, that the original language this is, was written in in the book of Isaiah are shalom, shalom. Like shalom, the word shalom written twice. And, and repeated words in Hebrew, that means that there's a great emphasis. We don't really have words in English that describe what, what he's getting at here. Uh, I, I, the best I can get it is like, you know, when you're driving and the kids are in the back seat and somebody's complaining and you say, okay, you know, stop it back there. And then you say, okay, don't, I'm, I'm going to say it again, right? You say it again to remind everybody. And then you remind them, don't make me come back there, right? Like you're emphasizing, you're saying, okay, focus here. Uh, and that there's a great emphasis on shalom, shalom, perfect peace. And when it comes to peace, shalom, shalom, you know when Jesus actually promised that to his disciples, to those who followed him? In John 14, and you know what takes place in John 14? It's the night before his suffering. It's not perfect circumstances by any means, but his shalom, shalom comes even in the midst of suffering, that you can experience peace even in the midst. Peace isn't found in the absence of problems or in conflict, but it's found in the presence of God. Who experiences shalom? Those whose thoughts are fixed on you. Those whose thoughts are fixed on, usually we say things like, our thoughts are fixed on CNN, right? Or Fox, or the economy, or Facebook, or social media. My thoughts are fixed on the, what, what she's doing, what he's doing. You know, where are your thoughts fixed? The Hebrew word fixed is called samark, samark. And it actually means to prop or to rest your full weight on an object, and, and if you're like so many people like now, so many people, we're, we're, we're stressed out, we're anxious, we're not okay. And, and one of the, the ways to practice, like I said, this is a both end, but one of the ways is to practice to disconnect your mind from what is unhelpful and unhealthy. Where are you resting your weight of your thoughts and your mind? Will you fix your mind on, on God and what he says? Will you also get help to help change that path you've been riding? It, it's kind of like this, it's small group, and support group. It's having a pastor, but also having a therapist. It's the Bible and, and maybe being on medication. That, that God provides what we need. And, and usually, folks, friends, we're not instantly better. It's weeks, it's months, it's years. It's a flight process of renewing our mind over a lifetime. So, uh, mental health is not the boogeyman. Mental health is not the boogeyman for a life of faith. It's not meant to be. It's a both-and approach, and, and the more that we stigmatize or look away from, you know, the more we defeat the purpose of what the church and what a life of faith is about, you know, rallying around those who need the help the most, being willing to admit 
our weakness. That not our strength, but our, our weakness. And you may struggle. Even if you don't right now, maybe you know someone who is, or maybe you will. But, it, but your struggle does not mean a lack of faith. It, we recognize that God cares and there is hope. But of course, it's a process. It's a journey. We're all different. But let me say this. You are worth getting help to pave a new path. So let's close with the prayer that we open with. The God of peace. Remember, you just turned to your neighbors before. Wish them that peace. God is my peace. And so Paul reminds us that may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Let's pray.